everybody's looking for the key to success to help them grow, to become more successful. You're not going to find it in a sales book. You're not going to find it in a marketing book, a book on competitive advantage, a book on strategy, a book on innovation. No, it's going to be an understanding how to build mental toughness, resiliency. That's what you need. That it's a set up, not a setback. Because I refuse to allow a negative circumstance to dictate my life. You think it's actually going to work out that way. (laughs) Here's the thing that you don't understand. Is that it's never going to beat me down. It's never going to defeat me. I'm never going to allow this to beat me. Because life doesn't happen to me. It happens for me. There are demons all around us. Demons in the form of fear. Anxiety, guilt, depression, sadness, bullying, learned helplessness, negativity. And if we allow these demons to control us, we will only continue to lose the battle on mental health. It's time for us to cut the crap from our lives and go on offense against these demons by building mental toughness and resiliency. That's why you're here. My name is Ryan Caligiuri, and welcome to the Cut the Crap Show. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining yours truly, Ryan Caligari, on this week's episode of the Cut the Crap Show, where every single week, I'm reading a book, condensing that book down with core golden nuggets. I'm bringing the author on the show to have a conversation about the golden nuggets. Did I say golden nuggets too many times? Maybe I did. I don't know. Anyways, you know what I'm doing here every single week. Just trying to save you a little bit of time, bring you some information that can spark a change in your life. I'm trying to help you build mental toughness and resilience. That is my mission. That's what I'm here doing every single week with you on this show, with my clients one-on-one, with everybody that I talk to. That is my mission, helping you build resilience. And the best way I can do that is helping to bring books to you that focus on resilience. Now, really quickly, before we crack into this show, if you have not connected with me online yet, then please do so. Follow the Ryan Caligiuri page on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on LinkedIn. Follow me on YouTube. Even subscribe on YouTube. Uh, follow me on Twitter, all of those. Because in the coming weeks, probably at the end of this week, I have a good friend of mine finishing up a logo and some entrance for me. But I'm going to be relaunching the CY8 vlog. And if you saw my post on on Instagram, you'll know that these things just don't go as smoothly as you'd like. It's start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. But as I stop, I learn. And when I learn, I improve and I grow and I relaunch. And that's been the path of the vlog. I wish life were that easy where you launch it and it's 100% right out of the gate, but that's not how it goes. Things take time. But if you're dedicated towards it, if you want to succeed, if you want it to be great, then sometimes it might require you to take a step back. And that's kind of what I've done with the vlog. And now I'm feeling really good about it. I kind of have an idea in terms of how I'm going to relaunch it. And um, it's kind of limped into it. No, I do have an idea in terms of how I'm going to launch it. And I believe this is going to be a version that's going to work well with my time. And it's going to drive impact. And I think you're going to really like it. So definitely connect with me on all those channels so you do not miss it. Also, if you love the show, then please go online, rate and review the show. I see so many ratings and reviews coming through and I absolutely love that. So thank you to all of you who've done that. Um, This really is important for people who are listening on uh, Stitcher or if you're listening on an iTunes device or sorry, an Apple device and you're listening through iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Those reviews, those ratings, they mean so much to me. So if you can take a minute out of your day to do that, that'd be great. Also, last but not least, on thecutthecrapshow.com, the big red button at the top there gives you an opportunity to donate $5 a month to the causes that I support. And the cause that I'm supporting is no-kill animal shelters, animal shelters who are taking care of cats and dogs and providing them with the nutrition, the surgeries, just so they can get better and they can get adopted out to families who are looking for that kind of energy in their life. So for me, it's always what I'm trying to do. And if as a community, the Cut the Crap Nation community, if we can all come together to support certain causes that we're supporting, that's awesome. And if you want my help, if you guys have a Patreon page yourself or if you have a GoFundMe page, let me know. If I can support you, then I want to support you as well. This goes both ways. So don't hesitate to let me know as well. All right, so let's crack into this one. So this week, what are we talking about? We are talking to my man, Heyman Sunim, about his book, The Things You Can See Only When You Slow Down, How to Be Calm and Mindful in a Fast-Paced World. Heyman is a very interesting individual. He is a Buddhist monk, 
And we're talking all about elements of resilience that are so important for all of us to keep in mind. And he provides a very different perspective. And I love this. Right, we bring on authors all the time. We bring on subject matter experts. I've never had a Buddhist monk on the show before. So I'm really excited to get into this. Uh, we're going to crack into it, but before we do, just bear with me in the first three or four minutes of this. Um, Hayden was calling me from uh, his hotel, and we were calling through a headset, and the sound just didn't quite work out the first three minutes, so then I called him back on the hotel phone, and the sound was much better after that. So bear with me the first three minutes as he introduces himself, and after that, we correct it. So let's kick off this episode by having Hayden tell us a little bit about who he is, what he does, and why he wrote this book in the first place. Okay. Uh, my name is Hemin. Uh, people call me Hemin Sunim. Uh, I am a Buddhist monk from South Korea. Uh, and I uh, became very interested in uh, Buddhist psychology and the philosophy, things like that. So I studied that in college. And, uh, you know, when I was 25, I became ordained. Um, and then uh, at first I thought that, you know, all I need to do is just spend a lot of time in a Buddhist monastery and just <laughs> meditate. Uh, how, however, um, you know, every Sunday the monastery had a Sunday service for lay people. And so I was asked by lay people to sit down and have a conversation over tea. Uh, and then uh, I realized that... Um, uh, they begin to, uh, I have to talk about, you know, some of their problems, like uh, pro- experiences that I never had, such as their, um, you know, uh, the problems with their children, you know, raising a child or um, somebody very important to their life. Uh, they just passed away mm. or um, people are, you know, overworking and stress mm. and they don't know what to do. Uh, you know, a lot of those kind of, you know, daily concerns uh, they wanted to share with me. So uh, I became <laughs> pulled into, uh, I, w- I was pulled into this kind of um, giving advice, that kind of role. And then uh, I start, uh, you know, doing, um, start opening a you know, Twitter account and then wanted to share some of my meditative kind of thoughts. And then uh, it, it became a very popular, and then I was asked to write a book uh, from seeing some of my tweets. Hmm. Uh, and that's how the book, you know, The Things You Can See Only When You Slow Down, came to hmm. exist. All right, let's kick this off with golden nugget number one. Golden nugget number one is all about the world. And it forces us to really get our thinking caps on. Because in golden nugget number one, Hanim says that the world is not good but it's also not bad. It's not happy or sad. It simply exists. So this is a tough thing to comprehend, especially for the first golden nugget, and especially if you're listening on a Monday morning. (laughs) So let's see what Heyman has to say about this one. Why is it that looking at the world as just something that is very neutral, it's not good or bad, why is that important for us to always keep in mind? Let's figure this out. I think we human beings bring our own uh, judgment to the world, um, and uh, we begin to interpret, you know, events or things out there, uh, and then we begin to say, "Oh, these are the good things, and these are the bad things," um, and therefore, uh, I like these things, and I don't like this thing, and then we begin to either uh, long for the things that we want. And then we want to push away or refuse things that we don't want. Um, I think that's the part of you know being a human human here. However, um, by bringing those kind of judgment to the world, um, we often don't see the things as it is. Uh, we begin to pick and choose, or we begin to see that we already know. Uh, what it is that we see in front of us, uh, even though we don't know exactly <laughs> what they are. Um, especially, you know, when we bring the elements of, you know, labeling, you know, or words, um, we often think that we already know about the very thing that we see. Like, for example, uh, I remember um, when a young child is instructed uh, the word bird, and before knowing the word bird, a young child would just continue to look at the bird 
and observe and different shape and color, the texture of the feather, you know, mm-hmm. and the way it moves, things like that, uh, became very interested in it. However, as soon as the child learned the word uh, a bird, then he would just call that bird and then just walk away because the the child begins to think that uh, I already know everything there is to know about the bird. Uh, Likewise, uh, you know, we are bringing a lot of our uh, past memory into the present moment. And then um, without further investigations, we uh, make a very quick judgment uh, and that prevents us from seeing the truth you know, as it is, and also um, disconnects us from the reality you know, out there. Uh, we cannot feel the connection uh, because we think we already know. We don't want to know. We don't uh, spend more energy and time to investigate you know, what it is. Um, so. Uh, I'm not saying that there are uh, some immoral things in the world. (laughs) Uh, Of course, there are many terrible things in the world. Uh, However, um, what I'm saying is, you know, uh, if you look at flowers or if you look at, um, you know, deaths of your family, you know, uh, this is the way it is. Um, But, uh, you know, I think... It's more difficult to um, um, accept it when we begin to label them. Hmm. I think it's also choosing what we think consistently. Because as you say, you know, how you view the world, you can view it either negatively or you can view it positively. But the world as we see it is just a projection of our mind. And our mind establishes our reality. And at any point in time... We can choose to feel sad. I can feel sad right now if I wanted to. I can sit down and think about all the tragedies that are happening in the world, all the bad things that are happening to me. I can get rid of all the philosophies that I hold that paint things in a more positive light and look at everything as if life is just happening to me, I have no control over it, and things are going to get worse. If I continue to think that way about the world, I will see the world as a very negative place. But for all of you listening out there in Cut the Crap Nation, you know how I think. And it's because of the way that I think that I interpret the world as more positive, that I choose not to focus so much on the bad, focus on the stuff that I cannot control. Think of Stephen Covey's principle, the circle of concern, circle of influence. Focus on the stuff that I can influence. Focus on the stuff that I can control. Is there bad happening in the world? Yes, as you said, there is. Of course there is. Is it me being ignorant to that? No, not at all. I'm just choosing not to be inundated by it. And so I think that's a really important point for all of us to think about as we kick off this episode, and that the thoughts that we think on a consistent basis really dictates how we feel, dictates how we view the world, and dictates our emotions, our behavior, and how we look at life in general, our quality of life. Right, right. Um, You know, uh, our mind is like uh, water. Uh, It does not have an intrinsic, you know, form or shape. However, if you pour your water into a cup, then the water takes the shape of a cup. And if it pours into the you know, a flower vase, then it takes that you know, shape of vase. Uh, likewise, uh, if uh, we pour our mind into positive you know, ideas, then it will take on the positive, uh, po- you know, positive mm. uh, feeling. <laughs> That's right. uh, whereas if you pour it into negative uh, thoughts, then it will turn into negative. Um, I also want to say that um, the, the ultimately, you know, as a Buddhist monk, what we are trying to arrive is um, seeing things very clearly as it is, and also uh, without bringing our own um, conceptual ideas. Um, and ultimately, what that's going to lead is to see um, everything as um, interconnected, uh, as one, and that brings the element of you know peace and tranquility and deep connections. Uh, so in order to arrive that, we have to temporarily suspend our um, habitual um, uh, judgment about it, uh, because as you label it, uh, as you bring your own 
ideas about what this is, then what happens is um, the whatever the element that you're looking at, uh, it becomes uh, contracted. It becomes uh, separated, and it, it, it appears to us as though it exists uh, apart from the rest of the world. Um, so that's the that's why uh, I talk about. Um, seeing things without any kind of judgment, Hmm. without any kind of labeling. Right. There's a lot of takeaways from this one here. So I just want to touch on something very quickly that I thought was very important that we didn't go deeper into. That was the story that Haim told us about the bird. Before a child understands that this creature it's looking at is a bird, it doesn't know its name. It just looks at it and it says, wow, like it's beautiful. The colors, the sounds, how it moves, the texture. It's an amazing creature. But then once it understands that this creature is called a bird, all of a sudden it says, oh, it's a bird. I know what a bird is. I know everything about birds. I get it. This is a bird. Whatever. Moving on. Let's think about something else now. The child, in a a way, lost its curiosity for what that bird was. And that's the point that I want to raise here. Curiosity. So many of us, we tend to lose our curiosity as we get older because we start to look at the world as very black and white. I know what this is. This is good. This is bad. That's the way it is. And what Hanum's trying to get us to do is he's trying to get us to unlock our childlike curiosity. And that's not something fluffy that I want you just to gloss over because I'll tell you right now, when working with the chief product inventor at Procter & Gamble many years ago, one of the things he told me that all product developers had in common, all the great ones had in common, was they just had this extreme curiosity. They asked such detailed questions. They would ask question after question after question. They were just so curious. And because of that curiosity, they were able to dig deeper, be more inventive, be more creative. But that's not how we are. As we get older, we tend to look at things as black or white. I know what this is. I don't need to be curious about this anymore. Or we tend to try to answer things in our mind because we don't want to ask questions. Right? I get it. Our, our brains are tuned to do that. Our brains are tuned to sort of find patterns to help speed things up, to make things more efficient for us. That's the way our brains are. But we need to short circuit our brain by being curious, paying special close attention to certain things that we see, asking better questions, challenging our preconceived notions of what we believe reality is. Not looking at things as good or bad, not looking at them as black and white, but always looking at things with a fresh pair of eyes. It's a Buddhist philosophy of having no mind, right? As we get older, our brain, when we're a child, is a blank piece of paper. As we take in music, songs, books, lyrics, uh, instructions, school, experiences, whatever, that blank piece of paper then gets written down. Um, philosophies, beliefs, values, ethics on it that we tend to believe. Having no mind principle means erasing that page. Everything on that page goes blank and everything we look at starts fresh. That's very hard to do. I get it. It's hard to do, but that's something that Hanum is trying to get us to think more about. And I like that because it gives us this constant need to find the truth. It can actually help us fight negativity as well. Where if we look at somebody, we might say, oh, this person that I don't like, they're just a jerk. That's it. Let's go back to Covey's principle of seek first to understand, then to be understood. Let's understand this person first. Let's ask questions. Let's understand what's going on. Maybe if we uh, tried to find out what the reason was there for them being a jerk, we would find out that maybe they're having health problems. Maybe they're having money problems. Maybe their husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend um, is sick. Maybe their parents are sick and maybe they're just taking it on you. Maybe they've had a really hard life the past five years and all they need is somebody with a little bit of compassion to completely break down those walls. I don't know. But we have to stop looking at the world as black or white. And I love that Hayden brought that stimulus to us. What a great way to kick off the episode. Also, the the whole, you know, if you pour water into a cup, the water takes the shape of the cup. It's very, it's a principle from Bruce Lee, right? You pour water into a, a, a cup, it becomes the cup. You put it into a teapot, it becomes a teapot. Water doesn't flow or crash. Be water, my friend. I absolutely love that, and that one struck a chord with me as well. All right, but let's kick into golden nugget number two. And golden nugget number two says that we need to live in the present. Now, we've all heard that before. Live in the present. Don't live in the future. Don't live in the past because you can't control the the future or the past. And by 
limiting our control, that actually hurts our ability to be resilient because we feel that we are not in control. And when we lack control, we hurt our ability to be resilient. So focus on the present. Why is that so important? And why did Hanum feel it was important to communicate that message in his book? Let's talk about that one. Well, it is because that's all we have. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we cannot go back to the past. You know, we cannot anticipate. uh, We cannot live in future. Uh, So, you know, if you really look at it, whether you like it or not, you are already living in the present moment. Mm. Uh, The problem is uh, we often... um, in, it dwelled on, you know, uh, what happened in the past. You know, we engage in uh, past memory and try to um, uh, have some kind of, uh, you know, regret sometimes. You know, I should have done it better. You know, <laughs> or you worry about what's going to happen in the future. Um, thereby, uh, you are missing out. Uh, you know, beautiful moments uh, you could have enjoyed right now. Uh, whether you know, you know, having dinner with your f- friends or mm-hmm. uh, w- watching beautiful sunset, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the present moment uh, allows you to feel really connected to the people around you, uh, and then also um, uh, see that uh, how world is interconnected. Uh, so it is very important. Yes, absolutely. It's very important. I find that it's becoming more and more difficult today, especially in our world of constant distraction. Uh, mobile devices are a big piece to that. Social media is a big piece to that. Um, text messaging, big piece to that. And it's very difficult for yeah. us to stay in the present moment. And some people might say, well, no, I'm living in the present moment. I'm just multitasking. And I find it's very difficult. If I'm having a conversation with you right now, which I am, but if you're talking and while you're talking, I'm texting, or if I'm cutting my nails, or if I'm doing an email, how good is this present moment? Am I, am I, am I giving my, my all to the present moment? Am I respecting you? Am I respecting your time? Am I trying to make the most out of this conversation with you? The answer to that is obviously no. And so I think today, more than ever, we need to try and focus more on giving ourselves in the present moment, um, try and create experiences, try and give people our full attention, because I find that's lacking today. Yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, because I I actually have a new book called Love for Imperfect Things, and mm-hmm. I talk about uh, you know the present, um, how important it is to pay attention, mm-hmm. uh, because the paying attention is the prices, you know, the the most precious gift you can give to anyone. Um, you know, if you want to ex- ex- express your love to somebody, and then pay attention fully to that person, uh, then that person will feel, you know, what is, you know, will feel that whatever the things that I do or say uh, begins to have a meaning because somebody cares. Uh, whereas, you know, if somebody is not paying attention to me, uh, even though I am speaking about something, uh, I feel like I'm irrelevant. You know, mm-hmm. I, what I do or what I say is meaningless, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no feeling of love or connections. Um, so, yeah, That's I right. completely agree. And I also find, too, that if we spend so much time thinking about the past and past memories that... You know, things that we regret, things that we wish we would have done, things that we wish didn't happen to us. Or if we spend time thinking about the future and, oh no, I hope this doesn't happen to me. Or what if this goes wrong? Or what if I'm not prepared for this? That puts us in a state where we don't have a lot of control. Why? Because we don't control the past. And yes, we can control elements of our future, but we only do so by living in the present and taking action today. Um, The result of our actions today impacts our future. But still, our future is not determined. Something can completely change, and what you think might happen probably won't happen. And so that actually hurts your ability to be resilient, um, and it makes it very, very difficult for you to feel comfortable, feel confident, because when you don't have control, it's very difficult. And by having more focus on the present moment, what can I do today? So for example, if you're in debt, if you have bad relationships, if you have uh, your health isn't doing well, if you're not happy in your job, what can you do today to help improve your situation? Don't think about the past and what you did. Don't think about the future and what might come. Think about what you can do today in this moment to help improve your current state. 
And I think that's something very important that, again, maybe we don't focus too much on. But focusing on the present will give us a greater sense of control, and that's going to be good for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, oftentimes, we are disconnected to our own feeling. Uh, we don't know what, you know, how we are feeling, you know, uh, whether it is about our job, you know, whether it's about our relationship. Um, so when we do not feel what is already there, uh, what is in the present moment, then we often just ignore and and just continue to do the things the way the way we have been doing. Um, however, this does not lead us to happiness. Um, so, you know, first thing you can do is actually turn your attention to your body, and see you know how that feel you know whether it's about your relationship, whether it's about your job, and oftentimes our body is very very intelligent. It tells you. Um, uh, something about uh, the situations, uh, and you, if you just listen, uh, mm-hmm. because it is our body is connected to our own consciousness. Um, so if you just listen, tune in, and then um, you begin to have a certain things uh, telling us uh, what what it is, you know, uh, you know how you are feeling at this moment. Then you know, rather than trying to pushing that away. Uh, try to own it, you know, try to own that feeling. Mm-hmm. And once you're owning that feeling, that uh, gives you um, courage and, and to act upon, you know, mm-hmm. it allows you to uh, have a plan <laughs> to uh, what it is the next step that I need to take. Um, so rather than thinking very, um, uh, like, a, um other than uh, making a you know huge plan, uh, you will begin to see that oh, there is a maybe small step that I can take mm-hmm. in order to get where I need to get, you know, That's based right. on the feeling that I have in this present moment. So um, I think the uh, t- tuning in and turning that attention inward and then owning that feeling is the first step. Golden nugget number three. This one's all about negative emotions and not covering up your negative emotions, not ignoring them, not thinking they're bad, but instead trying to understand them, embracing your negative emotions. And once you understand them, try and find a way to turn them into a positive. Now that is very challenging and sounds almost like something someone says, but no one actually does. So how exactly can we do that? How can we turn our negative emotions into positive emotions? And why do we have to dig deeper into them to understand them? You know, um, I really love that English expression, uh, finding the silver lining. Mm. Uh, We don't have that in Korean language, but uh, I think it's really fascinating concept. Uh, Like, I remember um, I was giving a talk um, in... uh, I gave a talk in New York City uh, last month, and then after that, I had to give a talk in Washington D.C. So uh, I was—I tried to get to New York Penn Station um, by taking a subway. Mm-hmm. However, the subway line—they uh, just announced, you know, even after wa- waiting for about 15 minutes, they say the line is not working anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to take a detour and all the way. And so my train was supposed to leave at noon, but the time <laughs> I arrived, like exactly 12.01, you know? So I just missed my train. Uh, and at that moment, you know, of course, I felt like I wanted to blame the New York subway system uh, or, you know, all that, you know. However, if I were to do that, then I just become a victim That's of right. the circumstance. And I didn't want to become a victim. So what I tried to do instead was uh, let's, you know, turn it around and find some positive things. Um, and then I quickly, you know, realized that uh, for the last one week, because the weather was very cold, uh, I didn't get to exercise. Hmm. But while I tried to get to the Penn Station really quickly, uh, I, you know, <laughs> run, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I ran, and then, that, you know, allowed me to do plenty of exercise. <laughs> and then... Another positive thing that I realized was that uh, if I was getting on into that train, then uh, probably I wouldn't have uh, have you know opportunity to eat something. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, however, uh, because the next train uh, was at one o'clock, all of a sudden I have one hour 
rather than just waiting until um, the train gets to Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. around three o'clock, you know, I had a time. I didn't have to wait for, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to wait to have a lunch. So I was thinking to myself, what do I want to eat? And mm-hmm. then I realized that in Korea, it's very difficult to have a really good Mexican food. Mm-hmm. So I said, maybe I should have some Mexican food. Nice. <laughs> and then I looked around, and there you go. There was a nice Mexican <laughs> restaurant right there. You know? That's awesome. So I sat there enjoying my Mexican you know, <laughs> food. And then I thought, wow, this is, you know, turns out to be a very good experience. And then, you know, of course, uh, I was able to get to the train like a 10 minutes or, you know, before, and thereby I was able to secure a very good seat, mm-hmm. you know, which is another positive thing. Absolutely. So um, I tried to find a, a silver lining, and you know, and we can all try to do that. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's something that we talk about on the show all the time, and it's a method uh, that I've created called Create Your Eight. And listeners, you all know, everyone out there who's listening right now, they know what Create Your Eight means, and. You know, life is on a sliding scale of one to ten. Nines and tens don't happen very often. We all wake up in the in the middle at five. The first thoughts we think, the actions we take, will either move us up or down. You missing your train. First off, going to Penn Station is always rough, anyways. You know, you're sitting there after work, whatever. It's packed. It's everyone's sitting there waiting for the screen to change. And that changes, and everyone's just going to that direction. And you know, all my New Yorkers out there, you know how that is. It's it's pretty stressful time. But when you miss your train, it's even worse. So. At that point, you know, you might have been feeling good, but then the stress of missing it, the annoyance of missing it, oh, why did this have to happen? You dropped your number down and you weren't feeling very happy. But what you did, your programming, you said, okay, how can I make the best of this situation? I missed the train. That's out of my control. I will catch the next one. But how can I make the most um, or how can I get the most positive experience out of this current moment? And you did that. You looked and said, well, you know what? I haven't gotten exercise. My heart's beating. I'm feeling a little bit better about that. Mexican food, fantastic, amazing. I got a better spot on the train, even better. That's what you have to do. And some people might be skeptics and say, no, it's just a bad situation, Heyman. It's a bad situation, Ryan. And that's just the way it is. Listen, if you want to look at life that way, go right ahead. But you're not going to feel very good about yourself. You're going to bring that energy to people around you. And if you're listening to this show, then I believe that you want to extract the most out of life, that you want to look at life optimistically. You want to bring an enthusiastic energy to the world. Then in that case, you have to look for the positive. You have to look for the silver lining, as Heyman says. And sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes you might not see it right away. But you have to continually search for it. And that's why I really love that reminder for us, understanding the negative emotions and always looking for the silver lining. Yeah, thank you. And then maybe you know I can add you know something that, uh, that I do in in subway or bus whenever I'm riding a subway or a bus, and especially uh, in Korea uh, during the commuting hour, uh, it's very uh, packed. So rather than uh, you know standing and just looking at your cell phone, um, I do begin to bless people around me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, the reason why I do that is because, uh, you know, once, once you are squeezed in, you know, because there are so many people around you, again, you feel like you are a victim mm. of that situation. Right. You know, um, I hate, you know, commuting. You know, I don't know why there are so many annoying people around me. You know, you mm-hmm. can't think like that. That's right. And however, uh, it doesn't serve you. It doesn't help you in any way. So uh, what I do is I find somebody who doesn't look very happy mm. and I secretly just wish that uh, that person to be happy so I say may you be happy and may you be peaceful may you be protected you know, mm. something like that and then I just go around and I start blessing people around me and then you know I realize that time passes really quickly if you, know, <laughs> if you do that and then uh, and you, your mindset becomes very positive and loving you know mm. so I would I like highly that. recommend that so I when like you are that. in a very tight situation uh, where there are so many people around you Uh, start blessing them. And I truly love that. What a great tactic for all of you to try out. If you're sitting in the subway right now and you're shoulder to shoulder with someone, you're squished up with someone or you're in rush hour traffic, listen, just look around at the stranger beside you in the car and in the subway cart, whatever, and do as Heyman says and maybe just wish well on them. Wish them a, a, a safe trip home. Wish them happiness, health, and wealth. And maybe if you do that a few times on the way, you might start to put yourself in a better mental state as well. Yeah, and and according to uh, famous uh, Indian Buddhist uh, scholar Santideva, he said that you can do your best to make yourself happy 
Um, but there is no guarantee that you will become happy. Mm. However, if you try to make other people happy, I can guarantee that you will become happy. Ah, I <laughs> so, like that. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> I love how at the end of every golden nugget, Heyman has to drop a seed, another golden nugget, a story, an analogy, a metaphor, something to help crystallize the point that he's just sharing with us. It's truly beautiful. I love how he always does that. All right, let's move on to golden nugget number four. And this is a tough one. This one's all about forgiving those who have wronged you in the past. And I'm sure that people have wronged you in the past. People have lied to you. They've screwed you over. They've just done bad things to you. And maybe you're holding a grudge still. Maybe you hate that person. You wish ill will of them. Well, it's funny. I remember this old Buddhist saying that says, wishing ill on somebody else is like drinking poison yourself and hoping the other person dies. Nothing good comes from wishing ill will on anybody. So it's important for us to begin to forgive other people for what they've done to us. Myself, I've been screwed over a lot. I've been screwed over to the tone of $100,000 before where someone owed me hundred grand and I didn't see a penny of it. You know, I was pretty pissed off. Um, I was laid off you know, many, many years ago, laid off from a job that I didn't deserve. It's just some internal politics and I was killing it in the job and they just got rid of me because, you know, the CEOs didn't really like me at all because I was pushing hard and had a certain idea in terms of how the company should be run. And it is what it is. At the time, I was very pissed off about it. The $100,000, yeah, of course, I was furious about it. Took the guy to court. Took the guy to court to teach him a lesson and in the end, you know, the court fees ended up costing me $100,000. So it, to me, I just, I didn't care. Either way, I was going to be out 100000 but I just wanted to make sure that I took this guy to court. I was acting out of anger, acting out of frustration. Many years ago, when I got laid off from the gig that I was on or from the job that I was working on, it was, it was really painful for me because I was achieving such great results. And just the internal politics was so disgusting. It was so poisonous that it made me sick that I was even in that company. And I carried that poison with me for so long. And I'll tell you, it ruined who I was as a person. I lost some of that enthusiasm, some of that positive, optimistic way of being, that kind of person that I am. And after a while, I realized that I was hurting myself by holding on to that, those, those pieces of anger, those stories, reliving it. It wasn't healthy for me, and I had to let it go. And I let it go through time by realizing that I have to forgive them by reading texts such as this. And so I really think this is something important because all of us are going to get screwed over at some point in life. It's just going to happen. And a lot of you probably already have. If you have, have you gotten over it? If not, maybe something Heyman says here can help you do that. Yeah, this is a difficult one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, for, first of all, I just want to say that forgiveness uh, is not something you want to forgive for the other person. You are mm-hmm. forgiving for yourself. Uh, you want to unburden yourself. Mm-hmm. You want to let go of the past you know, feeling and memory so that you can live much more uh, happier and um, connected you know, life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, just remind ourselves that you're not trying to um, you know, turn what, the person did wrong into um, right. Mm. Um, And then uh, second thing is um, the way we can forgive other people uh, is like this. Um, Oftentimes, you know, after a couple of months later or even a year later, uh, you begin to feel that, you know, I need to forgive this and then move on. Uh, This is what your head is saying. However, your heart is saying, no, you know, I cannot forgive him or forgive her. You know, I cannot let it go. You know, this was just too outrageous, too painful. Mm. Um, However, um, if you can, uh, you know, just notice there's uh, disconnections between what your head is saying and what your heart is saying. uh, And then try to, you know, see um, how that, you know, how our heart is feeling, you know, that is, uh, rather than trying to run you away and try to, you know, own that feeling, uh, try to um, become sensitive mm. to that feeling of, you know, uh, you know, suffering, feeling of disappointment, feeling of frustration, feeling of, you know, betrayal. 
Um, then what happens is um, there is a gentleness. Your heart becomes softer. Mm. And then as your heart becomes softer, uh, see what's underneath that you know, feeling of you know, anger and hatred toward that person. And oftentimes uh, it reveals uh, deeper truth. That is, uh, you know, for me, it was the feeling of, you know, the, the feeling of loneliness. You know, I mm. became very scared of being alone. Uh, and then I, beyond, you know, underneath the feeling of loneliness, the fear of loneliness, what's underneath? And then I realized that the fear of death. Mm. So I was able to connect to the, you know, deeper reasons why I was feeling so hurt. Mm. And then, you know, once you get, to have that experience and have that kind of deeper understanding and see if you can turn that um, same attention to the person uh, who hurt you. Mm. Uh, and, you know, what happens is usually uh, you're quick to realize that, you know, the person who hurt you uh, actually wasn't very happy. <laughs> you know, that person was also going through a lot of difficulty in their lives. And oftentimes those difficulties were not caused by that person. Mm. It was caused by, you know, various circumstances. Uh, it could have been, you know, the way the person was brought up, you know, mm -hmm. by their parents or the, the financial situation that person was, uh, you, know, mm -hmm. you know, going through at that moment. Um, you know, so if you begin to see that how unhappy this person was, uh, how unfortunate this person was, just just, just as much as you are, right. uh, then uh, your heart again becomes you know softer. That's you right. Know? That's uh, right. And then you begin to feel uh, have a little little more room, you know, for this pain, you know, a little more room for understanding. Uh, and then uh, you can, from that understanding, you can wish that person to be happy. Uh, and then uh, you can slowly, slowly, you know, you can move on and right. forgive and let it go. This whole idea of forgiving people who have wronged you is very difficult. And I hope that maybe something Heyman said there resonates with you. And if not, then maybe you just have to just continue to search, continue to explore within your own heart how to forgive people who have wronged you or who are currently wronging you right now. I'll tell you, I deal with this all the time. I deal with people who uh, spread lies. I deal with people who play the political game with me by trying to, you know, get in favor with the CEO over me. And I just tell people, I don't play these games. I call it out. And I'll tell you very specifically right now. So the whole thing with me doing the Create Your 8, me going into sales teams, teaching sales teams the Create Your 8 method, teaching them CY8, telling them the importance of having a right mindset. There are sales coaches who are working with the sales teams that I'm working with who see me as a threat. And they go to the CEOs and they say, Ryan, he's a trickster. He's a fraud. Don't believe him. He's going to screw you over. He's going to usurp me. He's going to take over. He's going to kill your company. And the CEO kind of laughs at the sales coach and says, you know, one, one, one of the CEOs was telling me this story. And he told the sales coach to... Uh, he just told him to shut up, essentially, and said so that he had no idea what he was talking about to drop the ego and that his job was safe and that I'm coming in there to actually help him be more successful. So I'm just glad that I had him on my side. And if I didn't, it wouldn't matter because I'd go in there and I would just speak my truth. But it happens all the time where people try to cross me or they try to wrong me. And at the end of the day, I just, number one, make sure that I'm always so busy so that I have always something going on in my life that's bringing positive energy to me because I don't have time to focus on that negative because I'm too busy being surrounded by the positive. I'm too busy working on the positive. That's one of the first things that I do to keep my head you know, above water and keep it essentially above the negativity that can surround us sometimes. The second thing that I do is I open up a dialogue. I have a conversation with them. Because oftentimes they think something of me that isn't true. I think something of them that isn't true. And we just allow our own thoughts to fester. And they just get more negative and more negative. So what I do is I like to just sometimes say, hey, listen, things aren't quite working out right with both of us. Am I right? And they usually say, yeah. Or they'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. I feel perfectly fine. I'll say, okay, well, if you feel fine, I feel that there might be some sort of negative energy coming here. And I think it's coming from this place here. But I just want to let you know that you have nothing to worry about. You and I are working on the same team here. We're trying to achieve the same result. If we're both successful, then we're both going to become even more successful. The client's going to be more successful. 
Talking about things and opening up the dialogue is so difficult to do. It requires you to drop your ego. It requires you to have some courage, which we'll talk about in the last Golden Nugget. But I find that sometimes just opening up the doors for dialogue is always so helpful. And the third thing is just understanding that maybe some people have a lot of pain going on in their life. And maybe you should, instead of being angry at them, have some compassion for them at the end of the day and move on back to the more positive things in your life after you show some compassion towards them. Those are my three ways in terms of how I deal with it. You will perhaps find your own ways. If you find that my ways are helpful, if you find that Heyman's ways of dealing with people who have wronged you helpful, then use those. If none of them work, find your own way, but you have to. Otherwise, you're going to let this poison just sit inside you and fester. And that's not a good thing. All right, let's move on to golden nugget number five. Golden nugget number five is all about choosing a career that lights you on fire inside. Now, what we do every single day is very important because we spend 40 plus hours. Myself, I spend 80 hours a week doing certain things that, you know, if I didn't want to do them, I would not be a very happy person. I would not be very optimistic, enthusiastic. So let's hear what Heyman has to say about choosing a career. Um, (laughs) You know, I give uh, a lot of public lecture in Korea. And uh, people in their 20s, they love to ask that question to me, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They want to find out, you know, what's going to make them happy, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. in the workplace. Um, But it is very difficult to find that uh, precise profession they want to, you know, choose. Because you don't know, you know, what's available, you know, what is out there. so oftentimes, we, what end up doing is we look at people around us, you know, whether it's family member or your friends, you know, or what your teachers are saying or what the news says, uh, you know, where there's a potential. Um, then uh, rather than uh, tuning in uh, to yourself, uh, we begin to listen to what other people are saying and just try to uh, follow that dream. And oftentimes, if you do that, you, you know, those fields tend to be very, very competitive, mm-hmm. uh, in my experience. <laughs> uh, if you want to become uh, successful in entertainment you know, mm-hmm. business, or you, know, you want to become a famous singer, or you want to become a, uh, the next IT you know, mm-hmm. uh, superstar, you know, uh, it's a very competitive field. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would suggest is that... Um, you know, spend some time, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, six months or a year, just to explore, you know, what is out there, um, what kind of possibility, you know, uh, and then try to see if you can, you know, do things, uh, you know, little by little, you know, um, if you can get an internship, then uh, do some internship, you know, even if you don't get paid, mm-hmm. uh, you might have some, you know, experience. And oftentimes what happens is uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time, long time, to figure out whether this actually uh, works for me or not. Mm-hmm. You know, when we go to a restaurant, uh, you don't have to eat entire dish mm. to find out whether this dish is a good dish or That's a right. bad dish. <laughs> uh, once you just have a, the, for your first bite, you can figure it out whether this is, a, you know, good for me or not good for me. So likewise, um, uh, the explorations, uh, you, don't, you don't have to spend a lot of time uh, to uh, figure out whether this works for you or not. Right. Uh, and then uh, if you, you know, have found something, then you know, uh, be sure to um, uh, dedicate your mm-hmm. next five, six years full-time for that professions because it does take time you mm-hmm. know, to get really, really good at what you do. Uh, so, uh, if you have that in a trajectory, then uh, I think you might be able to arrive at what you are looking for. That's right. I think you really mentioned a few things here that I really like, and one of them is patience. And a lot of the times, you might not be in a career right now where you're happy. You might be looking at the circumstance. You might be looking at the pay, the people you work with. And you might say, this is terrible. This is garbage. I hate this. I wish this was different. Again, what are you doing? What are you doing with your with your thoughts? Let's go back to the beginning, what we talked about. Let's talk about, again, creating your eight, trying to raise yourself up. Are you looking at the people you work with who are annoying you, who they're frustrating you, they're angering you? Are you looking at them as, um, you know, these people are here making my life worse, you're making yourself a victim, or are you looking them at them as maybe teachers? 
Myself, I had a lot of experience while I was working with people who are very, very difficult, very hard on me. And I could have easily looked at them and said, these are jerks. I'm getting out of here. They're terrible. But no, instead, I looked at them as teachers at the end of the day. And I said, these people are going to make me harder. They're going to make me uh, more resilient. They're going to teach me things about myself that I didn't know. And I didn't compromise, you know, anything else. They didn't, they weren't disrespectful to me. Um, you know, there's certain, certain limits that people can cross. But I tried to look at things more positively to extract as much out of that experience as possible. Also, patience. You might not be doing what you want to be doing right now. Continue to think. Continue to ponder. See how where you're at right now can set you up for something greater in the future. You might not be doing your ideal job or career right now, but sometimes things take time. You need to learn things before you're able to move and grow. And in a world where instant gratification is, you know, the number one you know, element that people say we have today. We just want the result now. We want that big paying job now. We want that title now. It doesn't work that way. We have to be patient. We have to work at it. But at the same time, we have to keep the proper perspective. And also you mentioned some very practical, tactical things in, in the book that I really liked. And one of the things you said was we should be aware of turnover rates when we're evaluating a potential job because the company's size or the salary that you're going to earn... It's not as important as the company's focus, its stability, and how they treat their people, the culture. And I think that was a really good piece of advice to take on there for people who are looking for new jobs and, you know, they might be blinded by the big salary or might be blinded by the title. Maybe take yourself out of that for a second, take a step back and look at things like retention, look at turnover rates, because that'll tell you what kind of culture you're entering yourself into and whether or not it's going to either assist you in living, you know, a happy, optimistic, enthusiastic life, or if it's going to hurt you? Yeah, you have to look into the, the overall culture of that particular company that you want to work. Um, if people just quit after one year or two years, then uh, chances are, you know, you might also do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, uh, I earlier talked about uh, having more self-awareness. Uh, when you are choosing your profession. So when you are turning uh, inwardly and and realize that, oh, I'm an introverted person, for example, uh, I work better alone or I work better in a quiet environment, then you want to choose a profession that will, uh, you know, cater to that particular uh, sentiment you have. Or if you're a more outgoing person, uh, you want to find a profession that's going to work better for you. So I think having your self-awareness is also very important as well. Absolutely. Uh, And um, when when you get a job, you know, like if if it is your first job, for example, and your boss um, begins to say, "Oh, these are the things that you have done wrong, you know, incorrectly," Mm. and then you know, oftentimes what happens is you may you may take it very personally, and you think that uh, your boss is criticizing you, you know. But uh, you know the truth is the boss is actually just pointing out things that you have done incorrectly. Right. It's not about you; it's about the work. And if you can just improve that work, and the boss doesn't have any problem with you. Mm, that's right. Uh, so I really want to uh, echo, you know, what you just said. Uh, I completely agree. Uh, that is, um, if you can say uh, rather than taking it. Um, like personal insult, <laughs> uh, but rather, you know, learning opportunity uh, and see if you can uh, grow, then this can be a, you know, wonderful stepping stone for you. Absolutely. Yes. And when, when your employer, for example, they might be very critical of your work, they're not being critical of you. Don't take that as them attacking your character, but it might be something about your work. And then you have to, again, as you mentioned earlier, have the self-awareness to say, did I truly give my best did I give it my best effort? And in a lot of cases, you'll realize that you didn't give it your best effort and that maybe you should, right? And if you're not giving your best effort, if you don't care, if you're very apathetic, then maybe you should be looking at moving on because you kind of reap what you sow. If you don't put in your best effort and your boss comes back and says, this is terrible, are you really surprised? Can you be surprised by that? I don't think so. So again, when your boss is being critical of your work, Make sure you separate that from the character. They're not attacking you. They're trying to help you essentially get a better result for the company. 
And you try to look at it that from the more positive perspective. So I love that right. reminder. Great reminder. Yeah, and, and another thing that I wanted to talk to young people who just got a job is that um, you essentially uh, cannot change your boss. Mm. Uh, oftentimes, they try to, uh, they wish their boss was different. You know, mm. they, you know, they wish my boss was much more uh, patient or much more, uh, you know, listening to what mm. I have to say, things like that. Um, it is very difficult, you know, to change anyone, and, and, and especially your boss. Yes. So uh, rather than trying to find fault in your boss and hoping that that Faults, you know, the the your boss will change. Uh, you should learn to work with what you know what's happening, you know, yes. and, and how he is or she is, and then see uh, where uh, you can accommodate, where you can uh, both of you and your boss become uh, relatively happy. That's right. Uh, so. Don't try to change your boss. That's it's right. It's nearly impossible. <laughs> exactly. And again, it's just, it's something difficult. I think you're best, best putting your attention and your efforts, your energy elsewhere. I agree. So now let's wrap this up on the last golden nugget here, Heyman. And we're finishing up on golden nugget number six. And I want you to talk to us about the power and the importance of courage. Because life comes with absolutely no guarantees and we need to be courageous. Talk to us about courage, maybe in how we can build courage. I think, you know, what happened is um, there comes a point in your life uh, you know, where you feel enough is enough, <laughs> you know, it's time for me to change. Um, however, um, I don't feel, uh, I don't have enough courage to act. Uh, I don't know whether I can become successful, uh, you know, in the, the things that I want to, uh, the direction that I want to go, if I were to go that way. Um, and so you just um, suppress the feeling and things like that. Uh, I had that, you know, feeling as well. <laughs> that is, uh, I finished my uh, graduate school in the U.S. and I was teaching in a small liberal arts college. Uh, and then I was essentially a Buddhist scholar. Uh, then I was, I was like, you know listening to my inner feeling saying that oh being a scholar is not not a good fit for me you know this mm. is not what I, I wanted to do uh, like I, I studied uh, you know Buddhist Buddhism and Buddhist scripture uh, to have a awakening experience to have an enlightenment experience uh, however um, I was just looking at uh, people around me uh, my you know graduate you know fellow fellow students, uh, fellow friends, and then also my advisors, uh, they're all telling me that I should become a scholar, mm. uh, become a professor. Um, so I basically, you know, listened and then just became that. But after, you know, three, four years later, I realized that this was not the job that I wanted to be in, you know? Uh, so I hesitated, and what is, the, what is it that, what do I want, you know, what do I want to do? And then I realized that I want to work with, uh, you know, real problems, <laughs> people <laughs> who are going through difficulties. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, find a place where um, people can come together and share their feeling and they become better. So what I decided to do was I, I just decided to change my job and mm. begin to uh, start School of Broken Hearts in mm. Seoul. Um, this is where people can uh, people who are going through difficulties, whether it's your um, the you know divorce, whether it's uh, you're raising uh, uh, children with uh, a disability, mm. or whether you are uh, you, you know your loved one just passed away. Um, you are a young person with, you know, very low self-esteem. Uh, you know, if you are going through some kind of challenging moment in your life, and uh, we are bringing those people together, and then uh, when you are um, together, you can actually uh, get better, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, you can help each other uh, with the help of, you know, uh, 
guidance and right. counselor. Uh, so, but you know, when I jumped from you know being a professor to that, uh, the founder of School of Life, many people advised me not to do it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they said that is a terrible idea. You know, uh, why do you want to let go of you know professor job? This is such a good job. Blah blah blah. You know how hard it is to get a tenure track job. Blah blah blah. You know all this. You know, people around me, whether it's my, um, you know, fellow, you know, uh, scholars or friends or monk, you know, whatever. Um, however, you have to, at some point, uh, you have to say enough is enough. You know, That's I right. just want to move on. Um, so I think the important thing that you have to take is really listen to what your body is saying what your uh, deeper, you know, unconsciousness, subconsciousness is saying. Uh, and then rather than trying to um, ignoring, ignore that message, uh, really listen, and then you may find uh, courage to move on. All right, and there we have it. That is the things you can see only when you slow down, how to be calm and mindful in a fast-paced world by Heyman Sunim. There's a great book with a lot of good golden nuggets from it. Let's do a quick recap here. The first golden nugget is that the world is neither good or bad. We talk about the importance of remaining curious and the power of curiosity. Golden nugget number two is all about living in the present. Not living in the past, not living in the future, but living in the present. Because we can't control what happened before. We can't control what's going to happen to us in the future. We can be react to what happens in the future. But we must control the present and be present. And I, I truly love that. And it's something we talk about a lot but it's not something we practice. The third golden nugget, talking about embracing negative emotions and turning them into a positive story, a positive emotion, something that can fuel us. Hanum shares with us a great story about him going in uh, New York City into Penn Station. I know for all my New Yorkers out there, for people who have ever been to New York, going through Penn Station at rush hour is brutal. It's tough, it's stressful. How can you turn that into something positive? If you're listening to this right now and you're looking up at that big screen waiting for your number to be called and figure out which gate to go at, maybe try to find something positive there. <laughs> Golden nugget number four, forgive people who have done you wrong. That's really important. And again, we talk all about how you can do that. I share my own thoughts in terms of how I do that. And hopefully you can take some stimulus from that that can help you change your perspective. The fifth golden nugget, all about career and how to choose the right career and dropping some really nice golden nuggets in there in terms of what to do, the kind of perspective you have, not trying to change your boss, new tactical things such as looking at the retention rates in the company, and of course, remembering to be patient. You're starting off in this career. Don't take things personally. Don't take them as an attack on your character. You're new. You're learning. And just keep your mind open to that. And last but not least, we finish off with a discussion about courage. And again, we all need to build courage today. Very important. What a great episode. I loved having him on. If you love this episode, then please go online, rate and review the show, especially if you're listening on an Apple device. Go to the podcast app, go to shows, go to the Cut the Crap show and provide me a ranking and review, a five-star preferably. That'd be awesome if you did that for me. And um, again, that just means a lot to me. So thank you so much in advance for doing that. Also, don't forget to connect with me online, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I will be launching the new CY8 vlog pretty soon, so you'll want to catch that. I'll be increasing the activity, so it's you know worth you following me along. And last but not least, if you care to donate to the causes that I'm supporting, no-kill animal shelters, helping to uh, rehabilitate animals, cats, dogs, um, feeding them, giving them the surgeries they need, and helping them find homes, that would be greatly appreciated. You can donate by going to the CutTheCrapShow.com. At the very top is a bright red button, and you can donate $5 a month there. But that is a wrap, my friends. Thank you again so much for tuning in this week. Your attention means so much to me. And I'll be back here next week. we have a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, an interview with an author. And, of course, you know what I'm doing here every single week. I'm trying to save you a little bit of time, bring you some information that can spark change in your life. And I'm here just helping you build resilience and mental toughness every single week. Have a fantastic, productive, inspired week, everybody. I love you all. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. Beyond measure. I'm going to show you how great I am. Last night I cut the light off in my bedroom, hit the switch, was in the bed before the room was dark. I'm going to show you how great I am. On the last week, I murdered a rock. 
Angela Stone hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. I'm gonna show you how great I am. I'm gonna show you how great I am. I have wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. I'm gonna show you how great I am. All you chumps are gonna bow when I whip him. All of you, I know you got him. I know you got him picked, but the man's in trouble. I'm gonna show you how great I am. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame. Like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Because if you're willing to go through all the battling you got to go through to get to where you want to get, who's got the right to stop you? I mean, maybe some of you guys got something you never finished, something you really want to do, something you never said to somebody, something. And you're told no, even after you pay your dues, who's got the right to tell you that? Who? Nobody. It's your right to listen to your gut, it ain't nobody's right to say no. After you earn the right to be where you want to be and do what you want to do. Now if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hits. And not point your fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people don't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children. It's not just in some of us, it's in every one of us. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fear, so are they. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. All you chumps are gonna bow when I whip him. All of you, I know you got him. I know you got him picked, but the man's in trouble. I'm gonna show you how great I am.